you have your Bibles, turn to Micah chapter 5. We're going to look at uh, uh, the drama of Christmas. We're going to look at how it all comes together. Uh, In Micah chapter 5, we see uh, God, through the pen of Micah, uh, giving us the story of Christmas. Now, uh, this is an important passage, and, and it became a very important passage from the time it was written about seven. 715 8, uh, BC, 715 BC, to the time that, that it was fulfilled, which is about 4 BC. So in between those 700 years, it became a very important document, especially, especially for, uh, for those uh, who were living uh, without any other prophet speaking. And uh, for about 400 years, the children of Israel had no prophet talking. And so they were kind of in um, this land of limbo and and they had only these, these uh, statements from God to them to hold on to, okay? And so they became very important. Now, we, at Christmas, we have our different little uh, things that we hold on to, uh, the things that we remember and the things that we rehearse every Christmas. Um, Twas the night before Christmas when all through the, not a creature was stirring, not even a, the stockings were hung by the chimney with, in hopes that soon would be. Uh, the ch- children all nestled, all snug in there with visions of dancing in there. Mom and her and I and my had just for a nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a... I sprang from my bed to see what was the... Uh, out to the window I flew like a... Through, op- through open the... And threw up the, and then something about snow. It was the night before Christmas, and we remember that. I mean, y'all were doing that by memory, right? I mean, uh, that that's pretty amazing. And 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 certainly, it's a neat little tradition. I I know that w- I can remember seeing the book. Uh, it was the night before Christmas that that we had as a, when I was a little child. It was a book, and and it was one of those bigger books. It was blue. It was. I've got all my family right here on my left, right here, and they're going to be giving me a hard time. What were y'all? Are my pants zipped? I mean, am I doing okay? Oh, she fell asleep. Oh, no, college student fell asleep? No, she wanted me to go to sleep. Okay, we'll move on. All right, so... uh, so I, I remember that book, and we would read it often, and, and every Christmas, you know, we'd break that out, and we'd read it, and, 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 and it was, you know, it's a good tradition, it's sentimental, but it is not Christmas. I mean, it's, it certainly can be a part of Christmas, but, you know, when life gets tough, and when we go through uh, the difficulties and the distress, when we're walking through shadow lands, uh, we need more than twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. We need something with significance, something with power. And that's what Micah was delivering. That's what God was delivering to the people in Israel. He was delivering words that would seek down into the core of their being and give them hope. It's like uh, a document that I received a couple of weeks ago. Um, My grandmother uh, passed away last Christmas. Right after Christmas, uh, she went to be with Jesus. My grandfather, who is now 90 years old... Uh, he uh, misses 
his wife. As you can imagine, they were married more than 70 years. And, and so they, they, uh, granddaddy knows life with grandmother, and he, he would rather it be that way. And so he has a great anticipation uh, for being in heaven with Jesus and, and holding hands with Louise once again. But as he, is, as he prepared and is preparing uh, for, uh, for Christmas, he, he wanted to give a gift to his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, a gift that would stick and give them counsel and, 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 and help us live life. And so he wrote this letter. And I wanted to read a portion of this letter to you because I can. Uh, and it's meaningful to me. This is one of those letters that I'm going to hold on to. Uh, because it's granddaddy, Cheryl and me, what's get, gotten him through life and how that I can live. So listen to what he wrote, uh, writes. He says, to my family at Christmas time, I've looked over the many pictures of you all. I've seen the many smiling faces from the past. You, children, dads, and moms, um, you bring a great big thank you to my life. You are very special. Time has brought changes in size, faces, and some new little ones. The great God of the universe is behind all of it. Grandmother, Louise, is seen in the pictures holding little ones with appreciation of a heavenly vision. This, this is too great for me. There has to be a distant gathering of these moments. There, there's not a bad apple in the whole bunch. He was thinking of me there. You are a special brood. Now, y'all don't know my granddaddy, but that cracks me up because he's being funny. When he says, there's not a bad apple in the whole bunch, you are a special brood, he's trying to bring a comic relief to this letter. And although you might not get it, his last name is Hauser, so that's a good German uh, humor there, a very reserved. But anyway, it, it, it's a funny line. Anyway, he goes on. He says, I wish, and this is the meat of it. He says, I wish very much for each of you to have a wonderful, dignified Christmas and a prosperous New Year. As the providential hand of the living God has led grandmother and me, we experienced that the Bible has God for its altar, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter, and all Scripture is totally true and trustworthy. I found, which I believe are the avenues to God's intentions for His humankind. Meditate upon these Scriptures and study God's inerrant word. And then he gives scriptures that, that he believes are avenues for God's intentions for your life and mine. Genesis 1.27. Uh, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, created he them. Genesis 2.24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Uh, Psalm 118. Verse 22, the stone which the builders refused has become the head of the stone, uh, headstone of the corner. Matthew chapter 22, verse 32, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said unto Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Colossians 2, 26. As ye therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Then granddaddy closes the letter in this way. He said, I love you, and thoughts of mother and grandmother I feel between my shoulders, and which I think is they're really close to me as I write this. Um, You know, this is an important piece for me, and not for the sentimental value, But from a man who's lived 90 years of life, and I look at his life, and I say, that is the life that I want to live. When I get to the end of my road, I want to have the solid stuff that he has. And so he's given it to us here. He said, you want the solid stuff at the end of life? This is what you need to do. It becomes very important. As we look at Christmas, it's important for us to look at the documents, the scripture that the children of Israel used to give them strength in the midst of their own shadow lands. As they were trying to figure out how to navigate through life, Micah chapter 5 became one of those passages that they would look to, especially in the 400 years where there was no prophet. They would cling to this passage until it finally came to pass. Micah chapter 5, beginning verse 2, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah, I would preach this passage in July just so I could say, Ephrathah. Everybody say, Ephrathah. One, two, three. One, two, three. Ephrathah. You have to say it like you mean it. You know, you got to say it with a little dramatic flair. Ephrathah. Got to spit a little bit. All right. But you, Bethlehem. Man, y'all did, twas not before Christmas better than that. But you, Bethlehem. Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. And he, being the Messiah, Jesus, shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. This morning we come to the place of hope's fulfillment. It's not merely the hopes of yesterday fulfilled, but it's the hope of every human heart today. With the coming of Christ, Jesus comes to satisfy the yearning of every human heart. Christmas is this season of hope. It's the crescendo of God's amazing work of love in history. It's the fulfillment of what God promised 
to the world. And certainly we live in the land of shadows, but Christmas is all about the rescuer, the ruler who has come to meet our needs. Jesus Christ is the ruler of Micah chapter 5. And when we submit our lives to him, then we will be satisfied. Today, Christmas is more than just visions of sugar plums. It's more than chestnuts and lights and sleigh bells ringing. Friends, Christmas Christmas is all about God unveiling and unleashing his greatness upon the world. You see, God unleashes his greatness upon the world at Christmas. This is the story of Christmas, that the great God of the universe sends his great ruler to set the world right. We live in a topsy-turvy world. We know that. And Jesus is the ruler who has come born in Bethlehem to be great to the ends of the earth. Bethlehem, Ephrathah, even though they're small among the cities or the clans of Judah, out of Bethlehem there will be greatness. Out of Bethlehem, God will unveil his greatness to the world. We've heard the phrase, great things come in small packages. And that's what Bethlehem was about. Certainly the great things that God had planned and purposed and patiently, uh, providentially planned came to pass in this small little place called Bethlehem. Bethlehem was small, even insignificant, except for this. God had his hand upon that town so that he might use it as the starting point to unleash the great one who would come. You look in verse 2 of Micah 5, it says that this is the ruler that would come. You look at verse 4, it says that he will be great to the ends of the earth. God is unveiling the great one. And certainly you look at Jesus at his birth and, and you would think, well, that's kind of a small package as well. And Jesus leaving the throne room of heaven, you would think this is going to be a big cataclysmic rattling, shaking, and rolling, but, but rather it was a quiet birth in an insignificant village to an insignificant family, born not in a mansion, but born in a cave. The babe born and not laid upon satins and silks, but rather put in a horse trough of hay. And yet, out of the smallness, God invades with his greatness. You see, it's from that small beginning, when we look at it, we see this is something only God can do. It's from that small beginning that God determined to use that place and that person to change the world. And change the world in a universal scope. You remember Luke chapter 2, when the angel appeared before the shepherds, keeping watch o'er their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared before them, and glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore or greatly afraid. And the angel said, don't be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
The angel said, hey, listen, this Savior has come. This is the rescuer who has come, and he will change the world. It's universal in scope. Micah said that his his greatness will be to the ends of the earth. It's universal in scope, but it's also very personal. It's not just universal. It's personal. See, God wants to take his greatness and apply it to your life and mine. Jesus didn't come to be the Savior of the world in all of its bigness. Jesus came to be the Savior of the world, each person in their own finiteness. Jesus came to invade the shadowlands of your regret. Jesus came to invade the shadowlands of your difficulties. Jesus came to invade the shadowlands of your life and to set your life right. See, Christmas, Christmas is supremely personal. For that is where God's greatness meets my smallness and changes my life. It's in the person of Jesus that we find a great forgiveness that is greater than even our greatest sin. I don't know how many of y'all have lived with her regrets, but certainly the children of Israel uh, to whom Micah was, was re- preaching, they were living in the shadowlands of their own regret. You see, they, they were under oppression and they were in dark days and, and they were in tough times. Why? Because of their choice in the past to rebel against God led to circumstances in their present that they didn't like and they couldn't escape. Have you ever been there? Can we just talk for a second? Have you ever made choices of rebellion against God in your yesterday that has influenced in a negative way your today and it's filled you with regret? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I just share with you? And I hope it's not shocking, but even though I'm a pastor, there have been choices that I've made in rebellion against God in my yesterday that have filled my present with regret today. You know what I'm talking about? And even certain things in my life that I look at and I think to myself, how can anyone ever forgive that? And left in that setting and left in that circumstance, you know where I am? I'm lost. I have no strength. I have no hope. I'm just dwelling in darkness. But that's where God's greatness in the person of Jesus takes over. See, here's the good news, and this is the news that I love to celebrate and declare. And every Christmas, you're going to hear me talking this good news. You see, when we look at the manger in Bethlehem, that cradle moves us to the cross because at the cross, Jesus came to die in my place upon that cross where he would take the sin that I had done, the crimes and rebellion against God's holiness that I had done, the greatest crimes I've ever done. Jesus bundles it up in a ball, and he puts it upon himself and he dies for it and he says now Eric here's your forgiveness greater than anything you've ever done 
Here's the great news of Christmas. No matter how, how ugly I've done things, no matter how great the crimes that I've done, Jesus is the rescuer who offers a forgiveness that will overcome it. Here's, here's the good news. It's that Jesus, the ruler, offers a forgiveness for every regret in my life. And he wipes the slate clean. And he keeps on wiping the slate clean with his forgiving love. I love that. I love that picture because for so much of our lives, we, we walk around in, 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 in chains and, and, and feeling the weight and the heaviness of our own past weighing us down with the guilt and the shame of our past. We're, we're like, uh, uh, we're, we're, I, would, I said Bob Marley at the, at the 930 service. We're not like Bob Marley, although we could be. Some of you are like Bob Marley. Uh, but we're like, uh, what's his name? Jacob Marley. We're like Jacob Marley with the, in, in Christmas Carol, uh, with, with, with the chains wrapped around and, and, and heavy. It, it just can't escape the chains that, that are weighing down on him. And, and, and many of us feel like that every single day. We, we feel those chains wrapped around our soul and we're longing for escape. And the way we find that escape is through Jesus at Christmas where God unleashes the greatness of his forgiving love toward us here and now, here and now be forgiven. But it's not only just the greatness of his forgiveness, but it's also the, the greatness of the victory he offers too. You see, here's the good news for us. Well, let me talk about the bad news. Some of us, some of us are living under circumstances that aren't our choosing. And you think about the, the people that, that Micah was proclaiming to there in, in Micah chapter 5. Uh, certainly there were many, if not most, of the children of Israel had rebelled against God. And so now they're living under bad circumstances. But there were some, they're the remnant of verse 3, there are some who were faithful to God. And because they're brothers and sisters, because they're the, the, the bigger family, other members of their family chose to rebel against God, now the ones who were faithful to God, they're undergoing bad circumstances. Well, that's not, that's not good. That doesn't seem fair. That can't be right. Yeah, but think about it this way. I, I grew up in a house full of boys. I had three brothers. And uh, you've heard me, if you've been with me any time, you've heard me talk about Brett. And Brett and I are 16 months apart, Brett and Eric's stories. And, and, and Brett was always the one who chose the criminal's way. And he's the one who was always rebellious. And I was always the one who was unjustly suffering under the choices that he had made. So here's what would happen. We would, uh, because Brett and I were so close and because his actions and my actions were so tied together, that when he would do wrong, sometimes it was hard for mom and dad to untangle all the actions and the initiatives taken by individuals. And so what would their response be? They would say, you both go to your room until supper. And so I would sit there in the room with my bed. We shared a room. I'd sit on my bed. He'd sit on his bed. And I would begin to complain because I can't believe that I'm undergoing such injustice that you have made this choice of rebellion, wickedness against mom and dad, and, and I'm having to pay the price for it. It is unjust. 
It is incomprehensible. And uh, he would giggle. And then he would do something that I didn't like very much. He would begin to remind me of all the crimes against mom and dad that I had committed that I didn't get punished for. And then he would say something like, oh, just count this as makeup. We live under circumstances, some of them are not our choosing. We didn't ask for them, we didn't choose them, but, but we're living under them. And it's even in those circumstances, those difficulties that we don't like, that Christmas unleashes a ruler who will take us to victory. He will lead us through the myriad maze of, of those miseries, and he will take us step by step to, those, uh, to, to, to that victorious place where, where we can stand and sing with joy in our hearts because Jesus has led us to victory. That's what led Paul to say, uh, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, hell, where is your victory? For the strength of sin is uh, strength of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who always leads us into triumph through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when we look at Jesus and, and this, this great invasion of God's greatness on earth, born in the small package of Bethlehem, in, in a babe in a manger, we move from the cradle and we see the cross and the great forgiveness that God offers, forgiveness that's greater than any sin I've ever committed. But we don't stop at the cross because Jesus went from the cave in Bethlehem to the cave in Jerusalem, and he was buried in a tomb fully dead. And yet three days later, God raised him from the dead. He rolled away the stone and death was defeated and victory becomes ours through him. Oh, God's greatness is unleashed at Christmas. Today, we can live in victory even though the circumstances stink. We can live in victory. But there's a key to this victory and there's a key to this forgiveness you see, the, the phrase that keeps popping up in verses 2 and 3 and 4 is ruler, king, boss man. We'll talk about this more in a second, but can I just go ahead and say this? One of the reasons why so many believers, followers of Christ are living today under the shame and the guilt and the pain of choices that they've made yesterday is because we are not submitting ourselves to the rule of Jesus in our lives today. We're still living in that rebellion, trying to be the boss of ourselves. We do it with our attitudes. We do it with our minds. We do it with our hearts. So many of us are living under the chains of circumstances because we have, and, 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 and this is what we do spiritually. And we, we, church people, we're going to be church people, and, and so let me talk church for a second. What we do as church people is we, we, we decide that uh, uh, I've got all these circumstances or I've got all this past in my life, so I'm going, to start, I'm going to start trying to finagle the past of yesterday with spiritual words and codes and phrases. 
spiritual exercises. And, and I've done this, and, and, and we'll do it again probably. But, but, but what I do is I look, I look at this, and I say, the way for me to conquer this past, the way for me to get rid of this chain is for me to go through the process of some spiritual exercise. And, and by the way, I am, I am kind of a professional religious exerciser person. And so if I can go through these religious exercises, then I can manage my regret by doing good deeds. But you know, the problem with that is it doesn't work because I'm still in control. It doesn't work because I'm still the one who is determining whether I get free of my regret, whether I get free of my past. Friends, that is no way, that is no way to live the joy of Christmas or any other day, the only hope we have is to let go of our control and submit to Jesus Christ, our ruler. God unleashes his greatness in the world. Oh, great things come in small packages. God unleashes his greatness in the world, but God also delivers satisfaction through Christ to the world. God delivers satisfaction through Christ to the world. Uh, Bethlehem is the term. You know, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Ephrathah. Y'all want to say it again, don't you? One, two, three, Ephrathah. <laughs> so we have Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem in the Hebrew language literally means house of bread. Bread is a metaphor, a picture. And throughout Scripture and in the ancient Near East, uh, bread is the staple of a satisfied life. If you had bread, you were satisfied. If you didn't have bread, you were hungry. Throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, the picture of bread was a picture of a full life and a satisfied life. So here's what Christmas proclaims. Christmas proclaims, God said, I'm going to put the bread from heaven in the house of bread who will feed the world. Hunger will cease. You will experience a satisfied life. You look at verses 4 and 5. It says, And he, being Jesus, shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the, mighty, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. Underline abide. I haven't talked about this in any other service, but I want to talk about it. Abide means you're just going to dwell there and get fat. I mean, you are going to be so well-fed. You're going to be so nourished. You are going to be satisfied. You're not searching around for other ways to get satisfaction because you are satisfied completely by the feeding of the Lord. You abide. You abide, and this one will be great uh, uh, to the ends of the earth. And this one shall be peace. Here's what... Here's what God is saying to us today. Those who come to Christ will be fed by him. Now, here's the picture. Uh, he, he will stand and he will feed. Now, let's talk about feeding first. Feeding is what we want. We want nourishment for the soul. We want our soul to be satisfied. We want to be filled up and, 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 and no missing parts within us. We need to be fed. Every person here, uh, from oldest to youngest, we long to be satisfied at the very inner core of who we are. We would do almost anything to escape a dissatisfied life. And the feeding that we look at here in verse 4, it's the feeding of the Lord. It means that He's going to feed us. He's going to nourish our soul. He is going to satisfy our life. It means that he is going to lead us in the midst of our confusion. He is going to protect us in the midst of the chaos. 
He's going to take care of us. He's going to satisfy us. Now, we like the feeding part. In fact, that's, that's what we talk about. We will talk about, oh, Jesus is going to nourish me. He is going to be the bread from heaven. And when I take hold of him, I will never hunger and I'll never thirst again. I love Jesus as we should. But I wonder why it is so many of us as followers of Christ, I wonder why it is that we still live such dissatisfied lives. And you might protest. You say, well, I'm not dissatisfied. Okay, well, just hold on a little bit longer. I've been a follower of Christ uh, for 30 years, a little bit longer. I've been a preacher for a lot of those years. I was a preacher's kid all my life. So I understand the whole church thing. I understand the whole spiritual journey thing. I understand the disciplines, and I've already said I'm good at the spiritual exercises. But why is it that as a follower of Christ for three decades, there have been those seasons in my life where I've been so dissatisfied? Why? It's because we like the feeding without the standing. It says that he will stand and feed. Now, what is the picture of stand? The picture of stand is Jesus taking his rightful place of rule. Stand means that he is the boss. Stand means that, that he, is, he is ruling over our life. He is the king. And what needs to happen for us to experience a satisfied life, it's, it's we get the feeding when we submit to the standing. See, today at Christmas, if you're going to experience joy in your life, if you're going to experience a satisfied life at Christmas or any other time, then you and I, we must submit to the rule of Christ in order to experience the nourishment he offers. It's hard, though. It's hard because we do live in a culture and time when, where, where things around us beg to be embraced so that we might be satisfied. I mean, we, we, we have all these, these uh, accoutrements around us uh, all these appendages. We, we have we and we fit and, and dance session four or dance party 12 or whatever those things are. You know, we, we've got, uh, you know, when, when I was a boy, we had uh, Pong. Now we have we, you. Oh, we, you. You know, you have all these different games. And, 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 and it's no different when we get older. We, we still have the toys, the boats, and the cars, and, and the clothes, and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we, 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 like, to, we like to show off. A friend of mine and on Facebook posted a picture of, of his brand new BMW. I sent him a little note, said, you're a jerk. Uh, but we have, all these, we have all these different things that we say, this is going to satisfy us. But it doesn't work. No, it, it does not work. I think of a guy that, that, that had uh, all the resources that, that, that anyone should have to chase all the things that, that, that promised a whole lot of satisfaction but delivered very little. You chase this and you get hold of it and it doesn't hold on to satisfaction and you chase that, and you take hold of it, but it doesn't deliver satisfaction. And pretty soon Mick Jagger is singing, I can't get no, 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 satisfaction. Yeah, I, I think as followers of Christ, that's, 
That's what happens to us. We, we think we're going to be satisfied because we, we take hold of this, that, or the other thing. And some of it is, is good stuff, and, and some of it is even religious phrases. And, and we'll, we'll say, and this is the preacher in me. You know, I'll say, well, I'm, gonna, I'm going to be nourished by the Lord. And, 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 but the truth is, he's not looking for me to use religious phrases or play religious games. He's looking for me to bow before him as my ruler. In order to receive the feeding, we need to submit to the standing. Jesus has to be the boss. And when he's the boss, he will satisfy us completely. Uh, Literally, in verse 5, it says that this one shall be peace. Peace is a picture of a life without any missing parts. It's, it's, It's a whole life. It's a life that's full and complete. And that's what Christmas offers to each and every one of us, where we can stand like the Grinch at the end of the story, and we hear the songs playing, and we understand the true meaning of Christmas, and we experience a change in our heart where it grows and becomes abnormally large rather than abnormally small. What happens? When Jesus takes hold of our life and we submit to his standing, he will nourish us with his feeding and we will be satisfied, filled up to overflowing, not with an idea or a sentiment or even a song, but filled up with the person of Jesus Christ, the King of Christmas himself. Today, you want a life without any missing pieces. You want to experience a satisfied life. And I invite you to join me in worshiping Jesus Christ at Christmas. We need to be like the wise men of Matthew chapter 2. And they saw his star in the east and they came with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they bowed before him to worship him. We need to be like the shepherds uh, in the fields in Luke chapter 2 who, hearing the news of Jesus Christ being born, they made their way with haste to Bethlehem. And they bowed before Jesus, and they worshiped him. Today, you and I, to taste the fullness of Christmas joy, to escape the shadow lands of regret and difficulties, in order to experience a satisfied life, then we must bow before Jesus today. And the angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you is born, unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Savior, which is Christ the Lord.